0: Welcome, everybody. Welcome to our Sunday night week in review. This is the Armour Investing Way. I'm Brett Rosenthal. This is what we like to call a virtual hedge fund experience. So what we're doing is getting ourselves ready for the trading session on Monday for next week, you're the portfolio manager on the desk with us. You've got to take the information that we share and make it your own. Figure out what your risk tolerances are, your goals, how you want to structure a portfolio. We're going to share information with you tonight about day trading indexes, swing trading, and investing. Those are the three portfolios we run here in our virtual hedge fund experience. And this is, quite frankly, how I run my own personal capital. So I'm just sharing with you, breaking it down for you, how I'm committing capital. Um, we're going to go over what we did last week into the close of Friday. We have a big week coming up with some earnings. Tesla's coming out with earnings. We've got the Fed you know, meeting and all these different things people will tell you um, should put a cap on the market rally. I'm not going to tell you that. What we're going to do is focus on price action, which is all we care about, and execute a strategy. We put capital to work when rewards worth risk. We use stops to protect, and we don't sit here and try to predict what's going to happen next. We just execute and make money. That's all. So I will get to your questions. If you've got them, you can go ahead and fill up the comment section as we go, and I'll be happy to um, to address the questions either while I'm chatting or in the end. We can always go through that. So um, let's go from the big picture macro thoughts and then we'll get more narrow into stocks that we're buying so stocks to buy and then stocks to watch what are the things that are that are key that are going to give us some insights into how uh, the equity markets are going to be trading this week so we'll go over all that then i'll get to your questions um of course before i hop on into this if you have not already done so go ahead and you can subscribe to the channel on youtube get our updates um and, of course, share the video and leave comments in the comment section, even if you're watching this later and you're not watching it live. I'm happy to go over it during the week and, and answer the questions when I can. If I sound a little subdued right now, it's because I just had a wonderful weekend, spent a lot of time with the family, spent a lot of time on the beach today. Um, it was hot down here, but just, just gorgeous, just one of those pristine beach weekends in the great state of Florida that makes you feel like you're in the Caribbean. That's what it felt like this weekend. So it was incredibly hard for <laughs> me to sit down and have this conversation with you. But hey, at the end of the week, I start thinking all these things anyway, getting myself ready for Monday morning. So I'm glad that you've decided to join me and take a break, you know, in your Sunday to do it. So the first thing I want to talk about is the big picture, risk, monitor, is green now the risk monitor for those of you who don't know this is uh, a combination of algorithms we've written to help us um, identify the footprint or the hoofprint, if you will of the institutions and when institutions are stampeding in one direction <clears throat> if we can identify that we can successfully invest it's really that simple so what we like to say on our desk is information makes money institutions make markets. And so you, you want to never forget that. You could have the greatest idea in the world that you want to invest in, and if no institutions care about it, you're not going to make any money, right? So you need to get on an idea when it's being discovered. Um, the same is true about the stock market. So the risk monitor, we have algorithms written for nine indexes. I'm going to walk you through all nine of them. The 10th index is the long-term treasury bond index. And that's a different um, um, piece to this puzzle. Sometimes we'll put capital into TLT. Right now, we don't have it. We've avoided TLT during this cycle. And we're focusing our capital on the equity markets. So June 1st, the risk monitor went green. I'm gonna walk you through these nine patterns. Why don't we start with just the S&P itself? Okay. This is June 1st. You're looking at a, a daily chart. Every bar is a day. The green, dark green box is when the risk monitor went positive. That's the 1st of June. So there are many buy signals along the way if you're just trading the S&P. But for it to go dark green like that, it tells us that all nine indexes are saying the same thing. Our algo is telling us to get long the market. We have an index-only portfolio, so there's different ways to run money with this information that I'm sharing with you. The simplest expression of the risk monitor is when it goes green, put capital into all nine indexes at an equal weighting. That's pretty easy. That portfolio is up over 7% since that entry so it's been a huge run in a very short period of time and what i hear is a lot of people chirping about how it's up too much too soon all these other negative things but i'm going to ask you tonight just look at the charts just look at what you see turn off the noise around you and all the fear-mongering and look at what you see and you tell me if you think this market is going higher or lower just price action is everything and of course, I'm going to give you my commentary along the way. So sorry if I uh, talk my book. But this is the consolidation since the Fed was raising rates aggressively, which was the bear market of last year. Now we've broken out of the top side of that consolidation, a nice little cup and handle recently, and which is right here, this little cup, little handle. And now we've taken off to new highs since this rally began, really all the way back into last year, all the way through. All the bad news you know, Fed's raising rates, inflation this, inflation that, blah, blah, blah. All that stuff, all the market's done is take off and run a little over 7% when looking at these, a portfolio of just these indexes, right? So there's different ways to use the information I'm sharing with you. The simplest way that I do it for portfolios that I manage is I just own the indexes. So I have an index-only portfolio. Subscribers can go onto our website. They can see it. There it is. We're long on this date. Here's what we do. It's very simple. We get long on the date that the risk monitor goes green. We cut the positions in half when it goes yellow. And we cut them to 100% cash when it goes red. That's all. This strategy works through thick and thin. If you want to know know, what its strengths and weaknesses are, its strengths definitely work in a bear market. Last year, it only gave us two entry points. And we ended up up over 5% for the year. So we spent most of the year in cash. We had two trades. One was a break-even trade, and the other made money at the end of the year. So it's a very conservative strategy. The weakness? In a rip-roaring bull market, you're not going to make nearly as much, right? Because you're just buying the big indexes. But some people like the safety of that. And so I use that as a, as a tool. But I also use a risk monitor to tell me how to invest capital, right? So how aggressive do I want to be? And what we saw... Back here, and I'm going to walk you through it now. Here we go. So this is the S&P. This is the equally weighted S&P. Okay, that was right here. The first and the second. The first was the buy signal, and the follow-through was perfect on the second. This is the equally weighted S&P, telling us we have to get long the market. That was early, and the wall of worry was huge back then in June. Right? Everyone said we were late in June. Do you remember that? We were long NASDAQ. Now, the NASDAQ buy signal was back here, okay? This was, in, this was in May, in March. And it followed through right in here, right in here. So a lot of people were saying, oh, you're too late to buy the NASDAQ. 100. You're too late to buy the market. We were not too late. All nine indexes gave us the same risk on entry point. And, of course, queues have only gone higher. And then you want to look at equally weighted Qs. Okay, the equally weighted cues right here. This is the green box. We were getting along the equally weighted cues right there, breaking out of this base, right? There's the base. It just started. This move has just started. Doesn't mean there can't be retracements. There can't be pullbacks. Of course they can, but the move has just started. So those are four indexes of the nine we follow. Okay, then we, of course, there's the Dow, doing its best to break out of a huge pennant. Okay, there's the Dow, the 1st and the 2nd of June. There was the entry point. Small cap index. You can see the, the the similarities of footprint. The market, all the indexes were doing exactly the same thing, and I ask you to come up with who has the power. Here's the value index coming off of that double bottom, just like the momentum index. These are all the indexes we own in the portfolio. Okay? So I think that's something right around here. Might have been right back here. I think it's right there. Okay? So, um, and then we round it out with the IBD-50, and those are our nine indexes. and then June 1st is right in here. You can see every index gave us the same entry point on the same day within 48 hours. So we look for, we look for confluence within 48 hours. So sometimes three or four indexes pop first, and then the next day the others pop, and all nine of them doing the same thing. It's only institutional money flooding the system that can do that. And so we put all of our capital to work day one. Sometimes I say to you guys, you can wait. We have five days. It's a five-day window. But this particular time, I shared with you that I'm getting all of my capital to work, June 1st and 2nd, as close to the stop as possible. And now what we're doing is just managing success. That means raising stops as we go, booking partial profits at Target's and beginning to build up a cash position when stops get hit. So we're managing success and risk, taking a little bit off the top so that we went into this weekend with some cash. So let's go talk about that real quick. Here are some of the positions that we own in the portfolio. Okay, so these are, you know, stocks to buy. We already own them in the portfolio. But I'll give you an example of, let's say, the uh, energy stocks. okay. So back in here is June 1st and June 2nd. We're getting long FTI. And right up in here, we just booked a partial profit because it hit the target. It hit the first target. Now, let me walk you through the progression of stops here at our desk at this virtual hedge fund experience. Grab a pen, piece of paper. You might want to write this down because it may help you when it comes to how to set up stops. The first stop that we use is called the principal protection stop. When we buy a position, it's... The stop is the low of the day we bought it or the low of the move that we're buying. In other words, you have to admit to yourself if you're buying a couple days late, the real day was two days ago, three days ago, that low. Okay, That's the principal protection stop. You're going to lose some money, and you're going to protect the principal from there. Then when the asset pops enough, and there's no magic number to that, if it's an aggressive growth stock, the pop could be 10%. If you're buying, I don't know, um, um, you know, Exxon or Chevron, the, the, the pop could be 5%. Whatever it is, you have to look at the asset, okay? When it has that initial surge, you raise the stop to break even, maybe a little bit more than break even. So you cauterize your risk. Now, we all know with stops, the market can gap down overnight and go below your stop. So it's not a guarantee, Okay, but every time you raise your stop, you're harvesting some alpha on a position that's moving. So the third stop, second stop be break even. Third stop is the trailed stop where we start moving our stop higher as we go. And I'll show you what I mean by that. Let's look at, um, how about Tidewater, one of our biggest positions? Okay, got long in here, blew out here. So what we like to do, this red line is our stop line. Okay, so when we first take a position that's back here and it's the low of the bar we bought, that was easy. Then it extends higher like it did right here in that second green box. We raise our stop, (coughs) excuse me, to the low of that bar that breaks out above the consolidation. So can you see that? There's like a little pennant formation here and it pops out. So once it starts to accelerate, we raise the stop to the low of that bar. It consolidates again, makes another small pennant, and breaks out again. So the stop gets raised to the low of that bar. Okay? That's a swing trading stop. It's a fairly aggressive stop. We keep walking it up. As long as it keeps going, we follow it. At some point, it will roll over. We'll book our gain. I also use stops not as a hard stop but as an alert. So when it hits the price, I look at what's going on during the day and I, and I assess, do I want this position to have a more lenient stop or am I gone right now? Okay, And that's something that we all have to decide. Depends on whether or not you're investing or you're swing trading and being very aggressive with stops. That's something that you have to determine. All right. We've carved down last week all of our energy uh, positions. We're making money across the board in energy. And what we decided to do was take about 25% of our gains off the table. And we did that right up in here. Okay, so here's Transocean. This does not mean I think they're going down. I think they're going a lot higher. It just means the initial surge hit targets. And when we hit targets, we book a profit. Okay, so and this is what we've done in like Diamond Offshore. We own them down here and they skyrocketed. And any of you who follow me on um, uh, YouTube, and you can you know, subscribe to get updates. I do it for you periodically during the week. We do a five-minute video at 4 o'clock, and I tell you what's the number one chart on our desk. What's the number one stock to buy on our desk? What's the number one stock to trade on our desk? Right? I highlighted all of these energy stocks when we were buying them. I hope you were able to enjoy that information and turn it into money for yourself. And what I'm saying now on this week in review is we've taken 25% of our gains off the table across the board on all energy. It's been lovely. It's been great. The idea is once we hit a target, we book 25% of our gain. We carry 75% of the position, which is still great. Make it an investment. Maybe I'll hold it for months. I don't know. I'm going to raise my stop as I go, let it keep moving. But now we've guaranteed success in these names. We've cauterized risk, right? I mean, worst case scenario, the thing craters, everything's imploding. and I'm going to get out of these things making money. And that's all we can ask of our investment strategy every time. We can't predict how much money we're going to make. We don't know what the liquidity situation will be, right? The Fed's going to meet this week. We don't know. So all we can do is put positions on, risk monitor goes green, aggressively put capital to work, using armor algos. You can use your algo. i use my algo, and I share it with subscribers. Say, okay, here's a new stock to buy. All these positions we bought had armor algo buy signals. What does that tell us? It means the probabilities are very high that the stock is going to go up from that entry point, and the reward is worth the risk, so I'll do it. What's the risk? The risk is how far away is the stop. So if the entry point has a high probability of success and rewards worth risk, we just execute. And you'll have moves like this when the risk monitor goes green. Now, we have reached a point in the swing strategy where I wouldn't be surprised to see the market retrench a bit. I'm not making a prediction. I don't know what's going to happen. Okay, I'm just executing. I've booked profits off the top. I've raised stops. If the market keeps skyrocketing, we're going to have another great couple of weeks or whatever. But if it rolls over in here, what I've begun to do for at least my conservative portfolios, even my balanced portfolios, is when I book these profits, take them off the top, it goes into my cash balance. I'm not reinvesting it at this point. Now, my aggressive portfolio, capital I run for myself, I may still put capital to work. I'm going to show you where I'm going to do that in a second. But um, things that we did from last week that were important. We took our capital off the table, 25%. But what we did do, and this may sound a little bit contradictory, but my decision not to reinvest cash, for my balanced and conservative portfolios, happened on Friday at the close. So next week, I'm going to be holding on to that cash balance. But when we were booking our profits and energy, we rotated them into precious metals. So let's go look at gold and silver. Our strategy for gold and silver has been, um, there's no... I say this in all humility, but we've traded gold and silver um, uh, as well as you could possibly trade it going back to November. Took these positions in here, made the money here, booked our profit, sold off, put the position back on here. This is physical gold. It ripped higher. We took our position off here, sold off again. How do we do this at each level? We have an algorithm written for it, right? It just tells us here's the highest probability entry point. The reward is worth the risk. We put the capital to work, okay? I don't, I don't go through all of the long-term implications of, of a collapsing U.S. dollar, okay? If it ever happens, I'm going to be long because I execute a strategy, and that'll be great, right? And that's what's happening right now. The dollar just got destroyed. So when it comes to stocks to watch, ETFs to watch, you have to keep your eye on the U.S. dollar, Okay, uh, you've heard me say this a lot over the last I don't know few years, or if you've been trading metals with me for the last couple of years. That collapse that happened in the U.S. dollar last week was epic. So we had this big sell-off here, which really helped us with our um, gold and silver trades last year in November. Then gold, the dollar has tried to stage a, a support. And actually, a, a, a little bit in here looks like it might break out to the upside. And instead, it got absolutely wrecked last week. Okay, there's the breakdown. That looks like the dollar is going to get totally trashed. So what do we, what do we get out of that? Um, Armor Algo telling us to get long gold stocks back here. Gold back here. So our plan was to put capital to work. We began buying gold on that day, which was the 29th of June. We began putting capital in silver, Sprott physical silver on the same day. Okay, we built our positional up as the asset moved a little bit higher. And the day that it broke out above the 50-day moving average, we finished off our position. That was Wednesday of last week. So we have our maximum exposure. To gold and silver, and I'll just run through you with you, there's many different gold and silver stocks to, to buy. You could do it many different ways. Um, nothing wrong with GDX, okay? Um, but what I like to do a bit big. What I like to do, this is GDX. So the, the buy signal on GDX was right here. And when it popped above the 50, that was the last day to get long, in my opinion. And the stop would be the low of that day. The low of Wednesday has to be the stop. Okay? So if this is going to work, it's going to go. Look back here. It's like, it's like when we had this last trade back in uh, March. Popped right up here. Never went below the stop. Just skyrocketed. Right? Same thing in here. This was the breakout day. Whoops. Right, so the stop is gonna be right in here, never challenges the stop. So don't be afraid of putting the stop at the right location and then talk yourself out of it because well maybe this time's different. It's not different. If it goes below the low of that bar, something's wrong with the entry, and you step out and you reassess. So there's many different ways to play it. Here are my five favorite names. I like AgNico Eagle, I like Newmont Mining. And then I like these, um, like these uh, four? No, three. These three royalty plays: Franco Nevada, Royal Gold, and Wheat and Precious Metals. Now that's the way I choose to play it. I play those five stocks. And generally, it's because I like to hedge every now and then by shorting GDX. So I'll be long my favorite, short GDX to take risk off. That's the kind of thing I might do going into a Fed meeting, just to take risk off. I don't know what the Fed's going to say, what the dollar will do, whatever. So I, might, so I don't disrupt my investments for an intraday trade. I like to trade GDX or, or dust. You can buy dust in a, you know IRA if you can't short. So, you know, it's a way to hedge. So I I put together these big cap names I'm comfortable with, put it together with my physical positions, and then I've got my exposure. But the answer to your question that someone's sure is going to ask about gold stocks, yeah, it's open season on gold stocks, whatever you're most comfortable with, right? I try to stay away from political risk. I try to stay big cap. I got enough risk in my portfolio everywhere else. So when I'm putting capital to work in precious metals, I want very liquid big cap names. As a, as almost a counterbalance for, you know, my aggressive growth stocks, my innovative growth stocks. All right, um, so we're long precious metals. We shave down our, 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 um, our energy. And let's just go through a couple of names at the top of our whiteboard. So these would be stocks to watch. I don't know if I'm going to be putting this capital to work. Kind of depends on the market, type of portfolio I'm running. But these are the things at the top of my, what I call top shelf on my whiteboard. Um, Let's talk about semiconductors for a minute, okay? NVIDIA has started the second leg of the move after that gap up on earnings. So please, if you want to sit here and debate with me uh, future earnings and PE ratios, just take that to some other show. Take that to some other channel. I, I got no interest in that. People telling me you can't buy stocks because of PE too high is people who don't understand the market at all. And I try as, as hard as I can. I just don't have the patience tonight. So forgive me. You know, just forgive me. Okay? Money flows into the market. And that money flow is what puts prices higher. They don't teach you that at university. They teach you go do a valuation, come up with a projection, and then argue with the market that something shouldn't go somewhere because it can't trade at that value. I, I don't have any time for that. If the thing wants to go higher, it's going to go higher. It's called the madness of crowds. Now, you don't have to own it. And I'm not buying NVIDIA. I'm going to give you another idea that I'd rather own and I do own. But I've seen moves like this before in companies that make dynamic, paradigmatic shifts in an industry. And they are the nucleus of that shift. Those stocks can go up longer and in a, in a more vertical line than anybody ever can predict. So I don't try to predict. I just execute based on algorithms, strategies, and where I want to invest my capital. Okay. I'll leave all the arguing and debating about earnings and forward P's and all that ridiculousness to other people. Okay. I'm just going to make money. I'll let them argue about what it should do and shouldn't do. Okay. So, there's the gap up. There's the pendant. Here's the breakout. I'm not a buyer of NVIDIA right now. And honestly, I didn't like the way things like um, AMD traded on, on Friday. It looked like it was breaking out in total. The best way to play it is just to own. I think semiconductors should be owned. Socks is the best way to play it. Socks, of course, you know a lot of that is going to be NVIDIA. So you're going to get your NVIDIA exposure, but you, can, you, know, you don't have to, to have all the capital in just NVIDIA. I think the entire semiconductor industry is benefiting from um, the, the dynamic trends that are changing with AI and whatnot. And so I like that whole group. And if you want to be more aggressive, you own uh, a semiconductor index, S-O-X-L, right? And, I'm, you know, I, I, I've talked about it and debated a lot, you know, what type of semiconductor stocks I can own. But at the end of the day, for a swing trade, not an investment, but for a swing trade that you think might last a few weeks or a few months, a triple, the S the, 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 the semiconductor index, like how many stocks do you think are going to actually triple the index? Which investments? So we have to split our brains. If you want to talk about investing, then I'll tell you something else. But from a swing trading standpoint, that's where my play is. I own it cheaper, just to be clear. Okay, we bought it down here. We've raised our stop to here. So my stop is at a raised stop level. I'll, worst case scenario, I'll break even on this thing. Okay, if, if this pennant follows through and it breaks out, I stand to make a lot of money with, with, with no individual stock risk. Now, if you want to invest, MRVL is my favorite investment in the semiconductor industry. There's two companies. I, say, I like to say, if NVIDIA, then MRVL, and ServiceNow, N-O-W, which is not a semiconductor company, I know. That's a software company. But those are my two almost um, supportive roles, supportive plays. If NVIDIA, then ServiceNow and MRVL. So those are investments. Those are things I'm investing in. But if I want to swing trade semiconductors, I'd rather swing trade the triple ETF. There are risks with triples. Please make sure as everything I'm talking about today, you recognize it's not investment advice for you, because I don't know you, right? I don't know your risk tolerance. I'm just telling you what I do personally, okay? Um, so on my desk that I'm looking at for next week, stocks that I might invest in. I'm looking at getting back on the Microsoft freight train. I'm looking at Google. We traded these last week. We made some money trading them last week. I'm thinking of making them a position in the portfolio again. One of my favorite AI companies is Samsara. It had a terrible week. I don't own it right now, but I'll keep that on my list to watch. I'm watching PLTR and I'm watching PATH. These are on my list. I'm not a buyer of them yet, right? I'm also watching Roblox. I keep trying to get on this trade, and it's a very difficult stock to make any money in. So I'm not on it right here. The risk on was here, and I day-traded it a couple times last week. But I want to own that because one of my biggest positions is unity from right down in here. And I think this is a big story. And where, where unity goes, Roblox usually follows. So we'll see. So those are some stocks that are on the portfolio. They're in the portfolio, some stocks to watch and some stocks we're buying. These are the last three charts for you to pay attention to that I think are important when it comes to market direction. Okay. We already talked about the dollar. We want to see the dollar continuing its descent. Fed's going to meet. The Fed's going to probably raise rates is my guess. Reaction to the news, not the news that matters. And what I like to watch is the dollar on those big Fed days as opposed to the S&P. You can manipulate through the zero-dated options market the equity indexes fairly easily. They have these huge rips and these huge collapses in a two-hour window, but you don't see that in the dollar. So when the Fed comes out with their statement, the first thing I look at is, what's the dollar doing? And then it all flows from there for me. Um, Treasuries, of course, is the second thing. So the algo is telling us to get long treasuries in here, which is kind of interesting i't I haven't, I haven't taken the position yet, you know, I'm just going to blow it up for you. okay, all these green dot, green boxes is where the algo tells us to get long uh, treasuries this year, and we, you know we've made money on some of these trades actually in here, right in here, okay, this was a, a break even trade. this turned out to be. Um, a trade I didn't take I just didn't take this trade Even though it looked good And then it broke down And gave us a whole new signal And I'm not on this trade either Again, we day traded it last week I, don't, I can't come up with a reason Why I want to be long treasuries right now If treasuries go up Because rates are going down I think growth stocks are a better place to be If treasuries go up Because there's something wrong in the world The dollar is skyrocketing People hiding in treasuries That's different That's a, that's a defensive move but anyway, there it is. It looks like treasures are going up. We'll see how they do after the Fed meeting. And then the last piece of the puzzle, and I, something I find very compelling, and then I'll get to your questions, is uh, the high-yield debt market. It's a really wonderful guide for equities. And so this is HYG, the ETF of high-yield debt. And look at the rally it had last week. When it was breaking down the week before, I think I spoke to you all about this on the, on the show back then. I said, I see the breakdown, but it's not too big right now. If it holds that red line, which was the stop line, everything will be okay. That's what I said to you a couple weeks ago. And last week, it turned around and ripped higher. So as long as junk bonds... Hey, you remember last, last time we talked about this? I said to you, the reason why it's okay right now, it's selling off, it's okay. It's because the credit markets, if you looked at CDS markets credit spreads on junk bonds were getting tighter. So even though the ETF of junk bonds was selling off, credit spreads for junk bonds were getting tighter, and I said that was bullish. Well, it turned out to be incredibly bullish last week, the thing skyrocketed. I'm not a buyer of junk bonds. I use it as the canary in the coal mine. As long as junk bonds stay in a range, equities fine. It's when junk bonds collapse that there's something wrong in the system. So those are three charts to keep your eye on. Thanks for spending time with me. I'm happy to take your questions now if, you, if you've if got anything you want to talk about. Um, let's have at it. Let's just chat. What do you got for me, guys? Pastor Rosso, how you doing, man? Nice to see you. Does the Fox like NEM and Pan American now? Why do institutions hold... Stocks like CGC, when it goes up, when it, when it goes up in down 50% in a day under the dollar. Why do institutions hold? I don't know exactly what you mean there. Let's unpack that. First of all, how do you know the Fox? Who is Festeroso? <laughs> I don't know. Who are you, brother? Who are you? Um, the Silver Fox is a fan of Newmont Mining and not a fan, last I checked, of Pan American. We haven't owned Pan American in a long time. The biggest problem with, um, here's Pan American, the biggest problem, the chart looks okay and maybe it's going to make a double bottom and break out in here, but the biggest issue with precious metals when you're investing in them is got to be geopolitical right now. There have been some, real socialist rumblings coming out of Mexico. And that just trickles down into all the other central and South American countries. There's been some issues in Chile and there always is in our, you know, Argentina. And so it's like, I, I just don't want the political risk. So when I put money to work, I'm looking for companies like the royalty plays have royalties everywhere. So even if one area has a problem, you know, the to- in totality, um, you know, I'm willing to put some money there, even though it makes me a little queasy. Uh, Agnico Eagle, I like a lot because it's a you know North American company, right? North American product. I-, I like North American, Canada, U.S. That's where I would do my mining. But to be fair, I have more money in physical gold and silver than I have in the miners. I toyed with the idea of having all of my precious metals investments in the miners this time around. But, um, excuse me, sorry, take that back. All in the metal this time around, physical. But I couldn't help myself, so I put some capital into the miners. If we're going into a world that's rotating more towards socialist and governments nationalizing you know, commodity uh, deposits, then the commodity itself, long-term, outperforms the miners. So you got to be careful. I'm Pan American. We have avoided Pan American on our desk for months now because of what we believe to be, you know, political problems where their deposits are. So um, when it comes to CGC, man, I I don't, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just floored. I mean, I guess Bruce getting the last laugh right? I mean, Bruce is getting the last laugh. Well done, man. Well done. He started a cannabis company at the beginning of the excitement, sold it to, you know, Constellation Brands and then got edged out and left. I mean, I don't know what Bruce Linton's doing now, but well, way to go, Bruce. You're, you're the winner, brother. You're, you're laughing all the way to the bank. I, I just can't believe the stock is trading under a dollar. I don't know how you take a product as, as um, simple as weed and not know how to uh, turn it into into profits. I, I just can't figure it out. I don't know how they did this. Um, when it comes to institutions that own it, I don't know how many institutions still own Canopy. I don't know. I don't know who still owns uh, still owns Canopy. And we haven't owned it in a long time. So um, I don't know if Deb is on tonight. Is Deb on tonight? Oh, she's got her next question. How, mu- how much fun, Deb? There you go. Hi, Deb. I was thinking about you because you always ask me about cannabis. And I was going to say that um, if I was going to put money in a cannabis company, it would have to be Terrasend. What is it? Uh, T-R-S-N-F? What's the, what's the symbol of Terrasend? I just forgot. Um, but anyway, I would go with if I was to do anything, um, I would look at Terrasend because the company is just uplisted to the Toronto Stock Exchange. You know, and so um, and I I saw some comments recently that Morgan Stanley and a couple other guys are willing to to trade in Tarasen now. So this this game is going to come down to who's got liquidity. Where where can institutions put capital? So if we ever get any movement on, you know, the political front here in um, in the U.S., it's the guy who's got the share Uh, um, shares listed on an exchange where everybody can go buy it you you see what i'm saying like i think that's very big tara said i don't it's not even a question of do they have a better product or whatever it doesn't even matter it's that they're listed on the toronto stock exchange so if there's ever a change and institutions try to go out there and start buying cannabis companies they're going to go to the toronto stock exchange (laughs) bang that'll be an easy decision you know, you won't have to get approval from a compliance officer, you know, so um, that that uplisting has has put Terrace and uh, at the top of my list if I was to do anything. Um, thoughts on. Uh, but your question tonight is thoughts on KHC. Um, um, Heinz. Hmm. Kraft Heinz. Well, whenever somebody asks me, first of all, this my first start is, Deb, I'm, I'm boring. I'm, I'm, I almost fell asleep when you asked me that question. <laughs> so that's my first thought. So my question for you is what is the catalyst that would get you to want to buy Heinz? I mean, have they come up with, like, a generative AI, you know, um, uh, uh, you know mustard or something, <laughs> you know? i don't i mean what, what why would i want to own heinz I, I don't know i mean um I'm, of course i'm kidding about that but i mean it's like so the next question is what's the, the first question is what's the catalyst the second is what does the earnings and revenue look like so i'm looking at um, um, market smith uh, o'neill market smith and i just go down here and look at the quarterly growth and it's just kind of anemic kind of anemic kind of boring growth so now i'm just curious is it like a dividend stock? All right. It's got a 4.5% yield. So in a world where interest rates are above 5%, 4.5% is not going to cut it. Why would I buy 4.5%? It like doesn't do anything for me. I mean, if, if interest rates were near zero, then 4.5% is sexy. But I can, get, I can get risk-free rate of return over 5% in a U.S. Treasury bill. Then there's got to be a growth driver behind Heinz. So I don't know if you were to say to me, Deb, um, Heinz just rolled out last week that they're going to make a huge move into India I don't know you know open up a whole new market for them, okay? maybe I'd listen to your story. you know what I'm saying like um I mean one of the one of the this is, story goes way back to like the early 1990s, but I remember I invested in um uh, a Wrigley's. The, you know, Wrigley's Gum, but I invested in Wrigley's because they were expanding into China, and that was a big deal at the time. I mean, who expands into China, and what a huge market. And the stock well, stock went up like 50% over, I don't know, I can't remember what it was, like nine, ten months or something. And it was Wrigley's. It was a gum company. It was a huge win, and it always left that imprint on my mind. So will I go after a big brand name? I will, but there's got to be a catalyst, and I, I, don't, I don't know what it is on Heinz. So I got nothing for you on that. Sebastian, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Glad you find value in that stop technique. It really, really works for me. And for us at the Armor, um, what I call virtual hedge fund. You know, We're all using this stop technique, and we walk through it. And every, every day, we're, you know, we're live all day. So subscribers are on. And, and by the way, if you guys have an interest, anybody wants to see what it is we're doing, we have a a um, a free trial, five days free. You come on in, you can watch what we're doing all day and, and uh, join us. But one of the things that we do is um, one of the things that we're doing is we go through our whole portfolio at eleven thirty every day for subscribers on the live stream. I okay, it's eleven thirty update. First thing we're going to do is go through our entire portfolio. What positions are uh, where the stops are being hit and what positions do we want to raise the stop? Let's look at everything that's going on and adjust the stops together. And so over time, you get to learn how to do it. You can do it on your own, your own positions. But I'll tell you one thing, Sebastian, that, you know, I, I probably the biggest takeaway when it comes to stops for me. Is the best trades, the best investments never challenge the stop. Here's an example of one of our best positions. Oops. Um, this is trade desk. I've owned it for a long time, bought it down here, but the stop, the stop starts down here. Okay. Starts here, runs up, right? Raise some stops. You get taken out right in here. There's a big blowout here. It comes down. You get taken out. It makes a whole new base. We get a new risk on entry point in this green box in here. And it starts to just climb higher. And we, every time it goes to a new high, we raise to the low of the breakout bar or we raise to the low of the consolidation. We, and, again, you can see we would raise it to here. So on this bar here, look at this, is what I kind of want to show you, bar here, when it blew out, okay? So start, it starts in here. Our stop is right in here, okay? Then it makes a new high. The stop goes to about there. When it made that new high, then it really blows out and we raise our stop to there, right? The low of that blowout bar, it never challenges the low of that bar. So you should not fear raising the stop. Of course, you know, our stop is up in here now. Now, this is an investment for me. So my stop might be a little bit, a little bit more lenient than a swing trading. But if I was swing trading, the stop would be up here. I may even do that. It depends on the asset. It depends on the market and whatnot. But I'm trying to hold this as long as possible so my stop is a little bit lighter. But anyway, uh, I digress. Thanks for that comment. Greg, how you doing, man? Nice to see you. Thoughts on Celsius? I like Celsius. I like Monster. I've missed the moves. I should be on the moves. I never quite get the moves right. <laughs> so my thought on Monster is, you know, clearly down here was the entry point. And, you know, when you're, when you're making investments, you have to be honest with yourself. This is my thought, Greg. I don't know if you're long already, but let's pretend you're not and you're looking at it. You've got to look at the chart pattern, look at the price chart pattern. For me, I use my algo so I can see. It kind of helps me say, where's the right place to buy the stock? Right. And if I'm going to pay up here for it, I better understand what I'm doing. It could keep going up, but the probabilities up here are not as attractive as the probabilities where the real entry point should have been. Right. So the real entry points here, you can just see that on this chart. You don't need an algo for that. It's pretty obvious. Right. So it was trading below the moving averages and then it broke out above it. There's your entry point. And, and to go along with our conversation um, just a second ago, what, where would the stop be, right? This would be the original stop, okay? It blew out, so you would raise your stop to the low of the bar that blows out. It doesn't even come close. These are daily charts, right? So you need a, we need a close below the stop, not a tickle, not a tickle, but a close below the stop, and it just blows out. Guess what? You would raise your stop again, it doesn't come down to the low of that bar, and it keeps grinding higher. So my stop, if I was long this thing, would be would be somewhere around there. This is not really having the aggressive move higher anymore. It's kind of grinding higher. I'd be following this this red line's the 25 day moving average. So if it closed below, see, so went, it went and tested it. It had ta- it had a tail below the 25 day right here right but it closed above it so you'd still be on it you might use that reaction low as the stop now and if it has a skyrocket day where it blows out again i'd raise my stop to the the, the top of that consolidation the low of the bar that blows out but right now it would be right there randy how are you thank you for your thought what's your stance on crypto oh you know it's I'm glad you brought that up um let's just look at bitcoin real quick this was really interesting we were talking about it on the desk as it was happening um i guess it was thursday you know first of all the crypto mining stocks are just going up in a straight line so i don't know what's going on there they look great right i mean i I actually traded you know anybody who knows me knows that i just can't stand uh, michael saylor okay and so um you know I just don't I just can't get myself to invest in the stock but I did day trade it for a profit last week and I, I almost held it overnight like I wanted to hold it so bad I just can't I just can't get myself to do it um but um you, you can't argue with the patterns of these miners I mean the mining the miners look great there's I know Micro is not a miner but there's Mara it's like a straight uptrend you know was this a riot hive Here's the ETF block. A little bit of all of them. I mean, that's just like straight up. So on the one hand, I would say the miners are going berserk. So I guess Bitcoin is going to follow. But that reversal on Friday was really interesting in Bitcoin. I, I don't, you know, I don't know what to make of that really. There was a lot of excitement on my trading desk about should we be buying Bitcoin? And I said, I'm just not, I'm not buying Bitcoin here. I'm not buying it because of the XRP announcement, you know, and the very next day it just reversed and gave up all of the gains. I mean, that's just a really ugly reversal in Bitcoin. So I don't, you know, I'm, I'm torn. I'm not on them early, and I'm certainly not going to chase them now. But the, the mining stocks, and we can watch block together, B-L-O-K, If th- there's going to be a retest. And when it retests, if it makes a higher low, and I get the follow-on buy signal, I might put some money in that. I might put some money in the mining group or the the ETF block. I probably would do block. It makes me most comfortable. I don't want to buy any one of these stocks, but I might do that. Thoughts on TMC? Um, Canadian company lower impact battery metals. Hmm. I got nothing for you on that right now, but I'll do some work on it and take a look, Sebastian. I don't have any information on that. You know, um, other than the fact that I generally don't buy companies. This looks like a stock that would do real well in Reddit and on a, on a bulletin board somewhere, but um, there's no earnings, no revenue this is a total you know um development story uh, i you know it's not an investment to me it's something that can be traded i mean sure you can all, you can trade anything but not not an investment at when i just look at it right now it's just not an investment for me um but i'd have to do some research i don't i don't know enough about it bruce linton is involved in t r u f f right now really t r u f f Oh, so it's not it's not trading here. Let me see if it if it shows up here. Oh yeah, here it is. Okay, Holland, what do, <laughs> what's he doing now? Look at this guy. Stock trades at five cents or something. I mean, <laughs> Bruce. Anyway, um, workhorse. Well, let's take a look at workhorse. I've traded that before. I Haven't looked at it in a long time. All right, guys. Let's wrap up here on Workhorse. Unless you have another question for me, I'm going to go uh, spend some time with the kids. So Workhorse is just grinding it out, right? Losing money with you know tiny revenue base. I remember this story. Wow, it went all the way to forty in the hype, 2020. Wow. I got nothing for you right now, Sebastian, so let's do some work on it together and, you know, reconvene next week, Sunday, same time, same station. I appreciate um, all of you who decided to spend some time with me on Sunday night. Hope you don't mind. I was kind of mellow tonight. It's just the way the weekend went. Hope you guys have a great rest of your night. I look forward to seeing all of Armor Insiders 845 tomorrow morning for our morning meeting. And uh, again, anybody who would like to, who would love to have you on the desk, why not try a free trial? It'll be fun. We'll spend a week together and see if we're the right fit. All right? You guys have a great night.